Stand clear. 100% wild podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to definitely not your favorite outdoor podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild podcast. We're powered by DeerCast, and this is episode number 286. You're Tim Chelsvik. You are Matt Drury. And it's deer season. We're finally in it. And I got the shirt on. It's Dude, deer season. If you, I, I, if, I, if you hadn't been wearing it, I wouldn't have known. <laughs> that's right. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to wear it all fall. <laughs> you're, you're like a clock for me. <laughs> I set right. my life by you. That's right. So we got a busy pack show today. We got several guests, full house. They're not in studio, but we got several via Zoom. So let's take him through who's on. With yeah. Team. So we want to say good morning to Chris Paradise. He is the chief sales officer at Mossy Oak. What's up, Chris? Good morning, everybody. What's up, Chris? Yeah. Excited to be here. And then we've got Aaron Amber. He is the president of Nexus Outdoors, you know, as uh, Scentlock and Block Outdoors. He's also the chief walleye whacker there at yeah. Nexus. <laughs> Didn't know that. What's up? What's up, Aaron? How are you? Yeah, good morning, everyone. Look forward to the time this morning. And uh, just like every season, the, the walleye, move on from walleye into uh, what I'm excited to talk about today, which is uh, deer hunting. That's Heck right. Yes. All right. And we've got Mark Drury. We got rain finally. I'm finally in a great mood for your podcast. <laughs> the rain dance has worked. <laughs> and then we've got Terry Drury also. Good morning, everybody. It's so nice to see Brother Mark when he isn't so crabby. <laughs> it's rare these days. It's rare. <laughs> when we were setting up the show, we were kind of dialing in the framing on the big screen back here. We had, for some reason, Mark's face was zoomed in like 200%. I felt like it was back in the old editing days when Mark was standing over my shoulder telling me a 30 frame <laughs> dissolve here. <laughs> oh, change it to this one. It, it, I cold got sweats. cold sweats. Yes. <laughs> Well, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be peeling back the layers a little bit on camo and the camo development process. And we've got some some cool new camo coming out from Mossy Oak that we want to talk about. It's actually, if you're watching the show, it's hanging behind us. That's right. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, a new pattern that's an exclusive here with the guys at Scentlock and Blocker Outdoors. But uh, it's interesting, before we jumped on the call, or before we start recording, I should say, boy, the topics were going all over the place. Uh-huh. Some the depressing, show the show. some were fun because, hey, we are getting into deer season. There's a lot of people out there are ready elk hunting and mm-hmm. a lot of big bulls are falling i know aaron you're getting ready to head to new mexico aren't you yes sir i'm uh leaving uh, about midday today so uh god willing i'll be in the woods tomorrow morning here in that here in that elk bugle uh, which uh i'll tell uh, you about chasing deer but here here here's that bugle in the woods and that crisp clean uh probably be 40 degrees 45 degrees in the mountains there's just nothing like that so yeah. you know, Hey, this is fun. Love y'all. Uh, like <laughs> He's Mark, Mark, Mark smiling because I don't know if it's rain or if it's the whole song that corn, you know, rain makes corn, corn makes whiskey. Not sure, but uh, <laughs> I need brain. Sure. All right. So as we as we kind of navigate the conversation here, first of all, I, I wanted to say the partnership with Scentlock and Mossy Oak that dates back for 
quite a few years. Uh, can you guys kind of give us a little bit of background into the original partnership and then how it leads to new innovation, new patterns, uh, and frankly, just, you know, how the end hunter uh, benefits from all this innovation and partnership? Yeah, I, I can take that kind of kick off the there and you can jump in. But, uh, you know, the, the Scentlock Mossy Oak relationship goes back to the very early days uh, of Mossy Oak when I remember Greg Sussman was uh, the owner at that point. And uh, we did a lot of collaboration in the early days, uh, especially um, with even some about what we're going to talk today. And that's the camouflage side of the business. We had dedicated patterns. Uh, we launched a number of patterns with Suntlock as a major partner. And so that kind of transfers on even into today. Uh, and we're blessed to have great partners that, that are now the new ownership and, and executive team over at Blocker and Suntlock. And that has just been kind of the next phase of our, our overall long-term corporate relationship. And the great thing about it is, is the guys over there are, are personal friends. Uh, people that we talk to frequently about not only what's going on in the business, but just general life situations. And that's what makes, in my opinion, uh, an enjoyable, uh, uh, very successful relationship today. Yeah, I think, uh, Chris, the on the press release, it's always fun when you see press releases because you do a lot of fact checks. It says 36 years, um, the relationship, mm-hmm. they're dating back to some of the comments you had. And um, this is exciting because not only, you know, are we great partners with Mossy Oak over the years, even though we've I had a, 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 I guess, year and a half formal relationship with the juries. You know, again, we've had relationships there that date way back as well. So it's kind of interesting when it's one plus one plus one equals five scenario, which is why we're here today talking about exciting things uh, that we're doing together. And, uh, you know, I, I would just tell you on the Mossy Oak uh, Terra Outland pattern, which is one of the the offsprings, if you will, of the innovation, um, you know, just trusted Chris and his team. They have their fingers on the pulse of where the consumers go on. Certainly, we added some ingredients to that conversation and really excited. Mark has it on today is our Mossio Care Outland pattern, which is, I think, one of the most effective colorations in an abstract model that um, can be effective no matter what situation you're in. So I think it looks great. And thanks to Chris and his team, because that's that's the cooks in the kitchen that make it all happen. I guess my question, when you guys look at uh, new pattern development, and this is probably a question for Chris more than anybody, but how do you decide, you know, the, the Terra, I guess, pattern, it goes after the elements. So it's what? It's wind. No, it's water, earth, air, right? And so when you're creating something, why do you decide to go down the element pattern versus going back to DNA or back to bottomland? Or, you sure. know, there's so many different, I guess, case uses for camouflage whether you're out west or the northeast or whatnot so you guys are constantly trying to come up with a pattern that fits everything why do you dial in on this particular pattern for this particular case well i can tell you that that's a loaded question but a great question because there's so much that goes into how we decipher what the needs are a solution-based offering and and so in this particular case I, i think it's important to realize that Every pattern that we generate is a natural-based pattern. So we don't have what you would call a true abstract where it's a digitized look. Mm -hmm. Um, The pattern that Mark is wearing, which is off the Terra Elements platform, uh, is in that abstract realm of pattern identification. However, this is actual topographical imagery 
that we have pulled to create a lot of the look that you see in the Terra platform, particularly in Outland. And so uh, differentiation, uniqueness, flexibility, and camo design is very important today. That separation, that the identity, uh, not only on the shelf, but for consumer and, and, and what we call the trade needs uh, is a very important and critical factor in how we design anything. And so from the Terra platform, we were very successful in launching that uh, with a, a, a varying degrees of what we would say in coloration. So we have tonal values that work really, really well for Western application, Southern application, Eastern, and so on. But it was really designed to attack that uh, uh, non-sticks and leaves atmosphere in the camo market. And we've been very successful in doing that. Now, when things start to merge in need, and, I, and I'll use the example of uh, when you're differentiating and having success with a camo pattern that is, in this particular case, a non-sticks and leaves camo. And then on the flip side of that, you have the launch of Country DNA coming off of Country, which was the, the top selling pattern across the U.S. for seven years running. You merge the two, if you will, and you start to have a, a very interesting dynamic. And, and this is where the conversation first started. And that was, how do we address 85% of the market in an abstract look, knowing that we have a pattern that is dedicated to that in country DNA. One, it's a tough question for the simple fact that are we cannibalizing potentially what country DNA is gonna do? And then are we sidestepping the intent originally of what Elements Terra was in an abstract pattern? It took a lot of uh, discussions uh, with Aaron and Dale, myself and, and Toxie and many people thinking about what uh, this would possibly mean. And here's really what it came down to. And this is the, the best way to simplify it. We took the Terra platform. Mm -hmm. We want to address the whitetail market as best we could. And it'll have varying degrees of range beyond that too. But doing it with the same, if you will, Pantones and coloration of country DNA mixed into the pattern. That is a very dynamic twist in, in really addressing the needs that, that Aaron and team had, number one, but two, filling a void. And so for us, it was an easy decision. Uh, one of the things we are, are very excited about is having that shared asset though, with all three of us together, it's, it's very easy to design a new pattern. It's very easy to go ahead and have a customer to support the pattern. But the promotional vehicle that backs that up, especially with, in my mind, uh, the number one medium that you could have in not only the whitetail market, but just pure, clean identity, validation, authenticity with the juries, it makes for a very interesting combination. So for us, getting back to your original question, yeah, a lot went into the, the discussion, Matt. Uh, a lot of days back and forth, how many fabric swatches we tossed between the two of us, making sure we were addressing the need. And then uh, here we are today, and as you can see, it's on a scent lock garment uh, that Mark is wearing. And even on screen, it looks beautiful. And I think it's interesting, Chris, too, that, you know, you mentioned country DNA, because I, I, when we look at the consumer, it's never more apparent than it is today that, um, you know, consumers have a lot of choices. And they have this, this feeling of individuality. So, um, it's really not that this is the new bullet, if you will. This is another, if you will, offering for yeah. individualism. So there'll be certainly Mossy Country DNA guys out there. We also have 
you know, Mossy Oak Terra Gila out there. Mm -hmm. uh, and today what we're talking about, which is Outland. So I think this play, if you will, with some diversity based upon that consumer's individual hunting style, um, maybe the how, how they want to look at, how they want to look on the gram, if you will. Um, <laughs> it, it, there's so many variables. And I think this is just another offering that, that allows people that have individual individuality mm -hmm. and really have a camel pattern, another option, if you will, that they say, this is the backdrop of what I want to do, where I want to hunt, how I want to hunt. Wow. That's one I'm going to take off the shelf and employ. It, it's funny because it kind of makes you think about like in, in sports terms today, all the sports teams, no matter what um, league they're in, they have so many different kits they call them kits jerseys yeah, yeah. you know then it's not just a home and away anymore and the college teams especially and they use it as uh it's a you know like the old school thought is like what you know take an alabama or the yankees for instance they got their one you know their one uniform and they're rolling with it and they don't alter from it but Kids these days specifically love to have that, like you said, the individuality. They want to look cool. They want to, you know, feel like they're so standing out. And so it does make a difference. It's not just, I mean, that is a difficult part for you guys. Like you got to come up with something that's effective in the field and goes back to, to the traditions of what Mossy Oaks founded on, that fistful of dirt. But you also have to mm -hmm. go and say, okay, what, like you said, the, the Instagram guy, like there's a whole younger generation out there and there's more options than there ever has been. So you do have to think about that person as well and think, okay, how can we have an effective camel pattern that looks cool? So that's an interesting approach. Well, and here's what, I, here's what I'll say that too. This, this is so important. I think in, in our market today, uh, we're not getting any younger. And look, we've all been through and seen so many changes. But flexibility, not only in camo design or, uh, you know, your marketing and what you're going to do, how you work with your customers, but that flexibility in camo design that meets uh, a demand or a need from a customer uh, and in a partner like Scentlock. But think about the, the far-reaching effects of, the dealer community also getting that ability and, and what that means to them. And uh, knowing that that pattern has the ability to touch different areas of our channels of marketing, our channels of distribution, it's just keeping things fresh. And I know we hear that a lot, new product and the freshness of the market. I, I'm sorry, I, I've always believed in it. I think that is true. If you don't have a reason for people to look and see the innovation that, that partners are putting together, you know, maybe they sit idle, and that's certainly not what we want. We want to make sure that, that that consumer always has a reason to turn the page, or in this case, scroll, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, see something new in our marketplace. Yeah. And Chris, maybe you can speak to this, but legend has it that the 3D uh, topographical mapping on these garments is sampled from Terry Drury's North Missouri farm. And then if you look close enough, you can see where his blinds are. <laughs> well, if you'll notice the front of the garment is, is Terry, the back of the garment typically will be Mark's. Ooh, and uh, even better. So yes, that, if you're, if you're looking for some key inside spots, go purchase one. You'll probably <laughs> see the little dots. It's a treasure map. <laughs> yeah, there's Easter eggs all over this thing. <laughs> hey, look, I hunted, I hunted with Mark. He purposely tries to lose you driving, <laughs> calling this ridge something different than next day you're so confused it wouldn't matter i look forward to going there <laughs> yeah matt's gonna get I, a front I haven't row shared this with anyone this is honestly this is the first time i'm going public with it but this is a big deal i named one of my favorite ridges on 
one of my farms, Paradise Ridge. We, we were hunting a turkey, and I never like to get on the very top of a ridge when I'm working a bird, and I like to slip off to the side. So Chris has already killed his turkey. I'm up to bat. Wade's filming me. I get off to the side of the ridge because the bird's on the left side of the ridge. And, I, you know, Chris has dropped back to call. He goes and he parks himself on the very top of the ridge, right in front of the biggest oak on the whole farm, and sits there. And he calls this bird literally past me where I cannot see the bird because of where he set up. And the bird's coming in. And I turn around and I look at him and I give him that motion, like, get behind me to pull the bird back over to this side of the ridge. Well, it was too late. The bird was already up and he caught us. And we had a big laugh about it after that. And I, I nicknamed that whole ridge Paradise Ridge. So I'm not sure if I feel good about the naming rights because of that, but I'll take it. Infamous. Do you have any good deer on that ridge this year, Mark? Uh, yeah. You know what? Last night one showed up. Actually, first first good deer on that farm. I got a cell pick of him. Sure did. All right. a real, real nice. That's great. Surprise. <laughs> real nice six by five so all right one, one thing uh real quick just to add to it as well and i think you know when you think about uh innovation and technology today you know and we joke about the topographical uh, outlay of that but i i really want to stress the fact that everything we're doing in, in our design everything that we're doing uh that has to do with our enterprise is how we live a better life outdoors naturally as, as, as best as possible. And that pattern is just uh, exemplary of that in so many ways because it is a natural based design. And I think that the consumer needs to really, uh, you know, obviously acknowledge that because it makes you feel good that we're not just throwing something on a piece of fabric. Mm-hmm. We're looking at how that, call it topographical view and look, has depth, has coloration, shadowing, breaks you up. That's also very much part of everything we do. I can tell you a taxi will sit in a meeting, go through a pattern, and he will still revert back to making sure it breaks up our outline in some capacity. And because we all know that if we're just looking to make a pretty looking pattern for the shelf at three feet, there's a lot of companies who can do that on a computer right here, and and, and that's great. But we have a longstanding tradition of making sure that the effectiveness and the appeal both meet together uh, with a, a very clear path that, that we're staying consistent in our message. So that does a very good job of that uh, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think you said it best earlier, Chris, when you said it fills a void. There are a lot of patterns that have popped up within the last, call it five to eight years, that just simply don't blend in. We've talked about it many times in our conversation, yes. and I'm like, Look at their pictures, look at their background. They stand out as opposed to blend in. It was the first thing I did when I got this. I went and took it out in the woods and threw it down. It blends in. You know, and it is it is an abstract pattern, but it's one that actually blends into the whitetail world, which is important to us. That was the thing that I think you guys hit out of the park is the fact that it it is absolutely concealment when it comes down to the whitetail deer, whether you're in the tree or on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. We coined that around here, real product for real people. I mean, not only is the dress, which is the camel, um, it's how we design our garments. That if it if it doesn't work, and I don't care if it's the camel pattern we're talking about today or the way the garment's designed, uh, we're not into it just to sell stuff for gimmick purposes. Everything we do from the technology part to the collaboration we're talking about today has to work. Or, or it doesn't, I mean, as you guys know, there's short-term little sprints you can have with 
with, you know, short-term gimmicks, but we're into this for, you know, the real person out there that's hunting every day that wants something to work, um, whether it's the disruption from a imagery point of view or it's a technology and design from putting their garments. So, Chris, I think that's well said. It's, it's uh, real stuff for real people. Yeah, no doubt. All right, I'm going to segue into another topic. So we we alluded to it, you know, in the front end. Deer season's here. I know, Chris, you said, was it up in Ohio there? It, it starts uh, this coming Saturday. And and uh, so we kind of got guys all over the, the country here. What are we seeing as far as, you know, deer, you know, about this point, pretty much all of them have shed their velvet. I don't think I have any left on camera that have velvet on them. Uh, what are you guys seeing? Because that, that pattern when they shed seems like all of a sudden that's when things get real and you find out what deer you have left on your farm for the rest of the fall. Right. Anybody, not everybody at once. <laughs> oh, I thought you, I thought you, I thought you addressed that to Chris, but um it's it's coming you know the season's here we've been unseasonably warm uh for the better part of 18 24 months if you look at deer cast on a daily basis more often than not we're 5 to 12 degrees above normal and we've been that way for some time um however there's a cold front in the forecast and then it stays cooler it gets it actually back to normal so now the cold fronts, they used to get you below normal. They simply get you back to normal. And we've been dealing with a La Nina in the Pacific. That's why our, our temperatures have been elevated. That's why we've been uh, drier than normal. And uh, I think that's why when you do get a cold front, it means so much more. So it's exciting when you see one in the forecast, you know you're going to get deer movement. It goes back to the, the uh, podcast we did just a few weeks ago. Uh, with Dr. Strickland. So I think all of those elements are hitting at the exact right time because we're, we're hitting a lot of seasons that are opening. Missouri's already opening. Ohio's about to open. And then, of, of course, October 1st, so many different seasons across the country open up. So the colder the weather is, the happier we'll be. And I, I don't think we can get enough of it. And we finally got some rain. I know all summer I've been on here complaining and down in the mouth about, you know, not getting rain. <laughs> well, we we finally got two to two and a half inches across all the Iowa farms just a couple days ago. One farm got seven and a half inches uh, and the Missouri farms got about an inch and a half. I know brother Terry caught about an inch. So it's start, starting to finally feel a little bit better in terms of feeling like going deer hunting, because I think just like the animals go through a switch, I think we as hunters go through a change internally. Um, Aaron mentioned it earlier. He's going to be dealing with 40 degree mornings. Well, I know he's been looking at deer cast, looking at that predictive model going, yeah, I can take some 40 degree mornings when he's, when he's been dealing with the heat that he's had this year. So I think weather has a lot to do with mindset and uh, has a lot to do with your overall attitude and, and, uh, you know, if you're going to succeed out there, I know I need it. I need to know that there's a chance that a deer is going to move. Mm -hmm. I, Terry and I talk about it almost daily. Gosh, we're 20 degrees above normal again. We're 15 degrees above normal. You don't even want to go sit because you kind of know the results. So mm -hmm. uh, it's we're excited to see those lower temperatures coming. I know no brother Terry is. That being said, hey, Ter Terry, you I may jump in here to your point. Last night we got skunked, didn't see a deer. The night before we saw a spike and a doe. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's just that time of year where you, it's either hit or miss. And to your point, Mark, we, you and I have been talking about the La Nina in lieu of El Nino for many, many years. Every time we get into this La Nina phase, we go, we experience a terrible drought. 
And with that drought, sometimes the EHD is affiliated with it as well. Uh, but we saw this drought out in the on the western coast there, you know, all the way from Washington down through California and all that sort of thing. They experienced it. Well, then finally that dome, you know, kind of moved over to the Midwest. And absolutely for, what, 60 days, 65, 70 days, you went without rain. And we were very, very close <laughs> to that without rain. So we watched this. And then we say, okay, well, Deercast really was formed. The algorithm is weather-based, but the new norm, which Mark referred to, is is the new normal. New normal now is above average temperatures. And we look at 10-year average, 20-year average, 30-year average, and you get those over a course of time. But all of a sudden, when we're above average by 10 degrees, you know, year after year after year, we got to go, okay, the new norm is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm trying to parlay this into that garment. The fact that the tonal diversity that you've got in that garment allows you to take some of those some of those colors a little bit longer into the fall and then also into late season. Now, we might get inundated with snow in in December this year. I don't know. But for now and even getting through that period, you know, the number one, the the three dimensional and Mark, um, Chris, you called it topographic, that three dimensional effect along with the tonal diversity, allows you to get through an entire season. I think our our, our greens are hanging on a little bit longer. You know, we're even like food plots. We're going to more green food plots because, hell, by the time this, the weather gets right, the season's over. So, <laughs> you know, we're, we're faced with warmer temperatures during longer periods, and, and Mark and I talk about it at great length. Uh, but I think this pattern has hit a home run. You guys have knocked it out of the park uh, once again, and I think a lot of it has to do with that, that tonal diversity. I, so I have a question regarding these temperatures, and when I look at, you know, the cell cameras allows us to, I guess, live vicariously in the woods even when it's hot out. And so when we look at, say, looking at deer cast, and it's like, eh, it's supposed to be just okay, or it's supposed to be maybe poor. But then all of a sudden I see a decent deer, you know, it's like, hey, what? this is weird. It's like, nine, you know, it's 85 degrees and the average temperature should be 78 or 76, but the deer moved tonight. It's it's rare, but occasionally you see that. What What do you guys think? Is it wind? Is it, what is it that all of a sudden, because like we're out of the great part of the moon phase, we're starting to get into the dark of the moon. What would it be that kind of out of nowhere, you know, three different farms across three different counties, deer are moving and it, and it's pretty warm out still. Cause I'm sure you guys see it as well. I can tell you the temperatures here by us, you know, we we're 87 degrees over the weekend. My theory is it's mosquitoes and they got to move <laughs> because if you, you go in the woods today, uh, you know, it, you know I'm, I'm joking, but I, I have seen that. It's actually triggered some interesting uh, moves for me and how I might approach a particular deer. But I have seen recently, <clears throat> excuse me, even on a, a an 80 degree plus day, a two o'clock deer movement in the timber, uh, that we, we typically don't see a whole lot of. Hmm. So I don't know, you know, Mark, Terry, what you guys think about that, but we've definitely seen that here. And I would also say, going back to Terry's comment, if you look at our patterns today, you'll see more green. And years ago, you hardly saw any green for a fall-based initiative in a pattern. We stayed away from it. But whether it's waterfowl hunting, where we see a lot of green reeds now later into the year, 
very rarely, at least up by us, and we're in the northern tier of Ohio, very rarely do you see until late December, January, February, stark brown. And even then, we're still seeing a lot of green. Our grasses are still green. And so that's why even on that pattern that Mark has, you could argue transitionally it has application very early to very late. And, and believe me, we're not, we are not a company that tries to uh, claim that we have one pattern that does it all across every uh, uh, pursuit in hunting. We've never, ever been there. But we have added some elements mm -hmm. that capture a, an elongation of the season because we also need to be cognizant, especially today, with a consumer that's challenged in economic environments, disposable income. I mean, when you get ready to buy a high-end quality garment from Setlock, you're going to spend some dollars. And so they need to be thinking about what is the garment I'm choosing? What is the product I'm buying? Can it carry me through those transitional phases of the fall? Uh, and that's where you started to see things, again, start to play out where you see more green, you see lighter tones. You may see an oak leaf uh, uh, that's not a stark dead brown. It may be in transitioning from green to brown. And it's really strange, but that does allow you to adapt. When you see that pattern out in the timber, I swear it takes on its own color tone value just by what's in the pattern. A long way from the and fall foliage days, huh? <laughs> it's the right yeah. amount, Chris. That's the other thing. It's the correct amount of green that, that yeah. makes it work so well. Yes, what's no doubt. Is, you know, we talked about me going elk hunt. I'll be actually using Outland elk hunt here tomorrow. And you imagine you guys in the elk woods, you can take that pattern that Mark has on a day and I'll look, I will look really, I, I know already I'm going to look great in elk woods too. Mm. You know, some of this diversity we talked about earlier, I've been running cameras from, you know, South Dakota into Nebraska down to Illinois. And it's kind of amazing looking at if I had to have one pattern day, I could go hunt each of those locations right now. And certainly, you know what I'm going to see in the <clears throat> There are some greens around, but there's a lot of browns right now. The drought, maturity, the grass, um, and um, you, you can take that all across to where I'm sitting in Michigan today. I could I could yet get up in a tree, and that would work really effective as well. So um, it's just it's really interesting. On the you talk talk about movement earlier, I'm just seeing a lot of crazy things across the country. I mean, everything from the farming community has kind of been whacked out as well. I mean, there's there's certainly corn already be take, taken off the ground, you know, not just the silage guys, but there's some guys cutting corn right. for seed. And so that, um, I think farming activity as well, certainly changed some of this gear activity that I'm, I'm seeing variability in, um, over the last couple months. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. You know, a deer cast question. <clears throat> so, uh, for me, I've learned to rely on deer cast for a number of reasons. I don't allow it to pick my days to go to the field necessarily every single time, because if we did that and we only relied on the best or excellent or whatever days to go, then we, we wouldn't get to enjoy. And there's varying patterns that obviously influence that. But th the question I have too is, I noticed for the past two years in our area, now we, we were hit with EHD twice in a seven or eight year period, basically. And it, it affected a number of things. Mark and I would have been on the phone and I've, I'm ready to be full-time duck hunting at some points. But the question is this, warmer temperatures, uh, call it farming practices changing, EHD influence, uh, 
Has there been an elongation in everyone who's on the call here, an elongation of the rutting period? And here's what I mean by that. I noticed for our for our situation here in Ohio, it keeps moving back. I, you know, the days of, of three days before Halloween until November 6th, they're still wonderful days. And we get activity. But I see intensification deeper now, deeper and deeper, and new deer moving in deeper that are still very active in that process. And I, I, I can't help but wonder, is it forcing that heat and, and those changing environments? Does it force our deer to maybe uh, transition a little bit longer into November and December? Just a thought I have, because we, we definitely see it here. Um, I used to make sure my calendar was cleared. In fact, I missed some days trick-or-treating with young kids because <laughs> those were the days I knew that we would be out. So that's just a question for our, our gurus here, Mark and Terry. What, what are the thoughts on that? And if, do you see anything similar in your, in your woods? I think you answered the question with, with your own question. I think a couple things there, Chris. <clears throat> Number one, heat subdues overall movement, and therefore some does probably aren't getting bred when they normally would because the bucks just can't physically go like yeah. they can in normal to below normal temperatures. Secondly, EHD takes things out of balance because it naturally kills more bucks than it does does. And in, in reality, in general, as hunters, we have not kept that balanced. Everybody's out there hyper-focused on a big deer. So therefore, all the focus goes into hunting the bucks when in reality, we should be focused on killing the does. Great uh, point. Back, back when we got EHD so bad, the first thing we started doing was taking the doe numbers down to match the bucks. They're born at a one-to-one -one ratio. And when that gets out of balance, you are, you are really affecting the long-term health of the herd because those bucks are moving so much to try and breed all of the does. Because if there's hot does available, they're going to keep breeding. That then has a hangover effect on those bucks into the next year. You see a lot of winter mortality, you find a lot of dead bucks that then in March and, and uh, April when you're out there shed hunting, and then antler development suffers in the long term. So when herds get severely out of balance, those are the type of things that you see. Couple all that with warm weather, and you've got the scenario that you painted out. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah, no, it, great explanation. And I, I, I sit there wondering all the time if that's just a, a phenomenon that maybe I wasn't aware of after all these years that it is a little longer. Because usually, as we know, once we get on deer early in the season, we've had some fairly good success of, of being able to harvest that deer early in the year, and maybe not being in the woods as long and as much as needed. But then when I have that situation where, you know, our age class has been diminished because of BHD and we're looking for any remnants that might be around in that five, six, seven-year-old age class, I just notice movement to, to enhance, if you will, longer and later than ever before. And uh, so that's kind of changed my mindset too and how I approach it. Chris, one other point to your point about the elongation of the season. Decades ago, and I'm going to say three decades ago, you know, when we did have pretty severe winters and we, we could count on the fact that point up to Thanksgiving, when you knew that things were going to kind of subside after that, those mature deer would lay down and literally yes. conserve that body fat and not burn it. Now, you know, and all you saw were the two and three year olds that were still running rampant back then. Now, those mature deer continue to be on their feet. They don't have to conserve the body fat like they used to because the temperatures are warmer. Our, our winters have yeah. been milder here over the last several years. Now that may change obviously, but 
I, I do believe you're absolutely correct in that elongation of the season, but that's one of the things that we've noticed is that the mature deer move a lot longer than they used to years ago. I mean, they just literally laid down and, and conserved energy from Thanksgiving on, you know, and you wouldn't see them till yeah. a lot of times late season. If they had to get on food, they would, but boy, they didn't move very far. They were bedded very, very close to that food source. Yeah, no, that's great. That's definitely love the confirming comments on that. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of a, an interesting shift, but it's also, I think, a positive in some ways. I mean, we always talk about sweet November and I don't know, it, we, 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 as the day the season closes, we think about November and, and what that can be like. But I also think for the, for the average customer that's hunting weekends and can't get off of work or whatever, that season that's spreading out a little bit, there's not that demand and rush to be in the timber from the November 11th to the 22nd like it used to be to your point terry where you knew after thanksgiving we could get two feet of snow and and, and next thing you know it's negative 20 with wind chill and those yeah. deer are just sucked into a zone of, of non-movement but yeah that's great love love that discussion well absolutely so as we uh probably as we start to close out the the podcast here any closing thoughts on you know like like i was mentioning hot we have a cold front coming but we're still pretty warm in general like mark said early in the podcast it brings us to average temperatures uh is that that new normal you guys are talking about is that should we expect hey when it comes down to average temperatures that's when we should be out there i, I think they actually i think they acclimated to it matt and in fact i think we'll see the reverse happen if we ever do get some severe cold, I think it'll shut them down as opposed to hmm. uh, the way it, it used to motivate movement. If we start seeing 20 to 30 below norms, if that happens this fall, I think it'll shut the movement down for a few days until they reacclimate. In fact, on our algorithm, we used to have okay leaning towards the coloration of poor and bad. And in reality, in the off season, because of what we witnessed last year, we, ch we changed the shade of okay to more mirror good and great. So you now look and you see okay as green because last year yeah. okay was the new good and good was yeah. the new great because the weather factors that are within the algorithm seldom got to great. You know, a cold front would come through and we'd be like, wow, why is the algorithm not predicting great? Well, because it still wasn't maxing out in terms of what the algorithm predicts as great weather. And in reality, the deer have, have uh, you know, adapted to it. So we adapted to the overall deer movement. It just in a slight little variation in color. Deer. You know, I want to, I want to ask Aaron there, uh, you know, there's a variety of garments that you have to really start thinking about to, to cover all of his bases. And I'm sure those guys have conversations about this on a regular basis, but Aaron, has this, has this changed any of the conversation that you guys have had as far as the temperatures are concerned? You know, it's, Here's what I will tell you is there's never enough lightweight garments, if you will, for certainly the Southern conditions. You know, that that goes unsaid because it seems like no matter what you do, it's, it's a challenge. Um, but I will I will also tell you uh, my perspective, not scientific. I think we I would think a lot of the consumers have gotten softer as well. So <laughs> including us <laughs> I, and yeah. like me and, and, you know, even yeah. the Southern customer, when things kind of get a little cold, which might not be cold to us, it's just, what is your body used to? Cause as you guys know, if you're out in cold weather for periods of time, you get pretty tough. 
and and it doesn't take a lot to stay warm. So I think what I would tell you, these warmer conditions, when we do get some subnormal 20 degrees under where it normally is, I think inherently we think it's really cold. So I don't see a lot of changes in garments because of the weather you know, our, our bodies are kind of, you know, reflective, if you will, what we're used to. And when it's, when it's not what we're used to, then you got to put more layers on, Terry. And Terry, to, to that, and we've seen the shift because here's a, here's a great uh, kind of look into the future from history, if that makes sense. But we see the fabrics, the uh, laminates, uh, the components of what is going into that next generation of product. It's an, an, an uncomparable shift, if you will, of the layering needs for what has gone on in temperature, uh, mobility, um, an aging demographic, all those things, fit and finish of a garment, all has changed to where, realistically speaking, I know in, in Suntlock and even Blocker, they do a great job of this, but you can go early to late. It's just what garment you need or want to utilize within their whole system to get there. But that's the great thing about it is you can adapt as the season goes. But I will tell you the days of a heavy insulated quad system that you buy in October, perhaps, or that we used to buy. Thinking, oh, my God, you know, our first uh, uh, big snow could come in the middle to late of October. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. you're starting to layer up as you go throughout the season. And that is, uh, and it's, com- it's more comfortable, easier to hunt in. You can address the needs from rain to sleet to snow to a little warmer temperature to wind. The technology today has allowed us to do a lot of things that we never would have been able to do, I, I should say comfortably, in years past. Well, you know, it's about keeping the consumer in the game longer, too. I mean, as you guys know, when the weather does start to change, you got to be there to kill them. So we 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 use toolkit mentality. So kind of what Chris was saying, whether it's early season or it's late season, you take this this uh, collection of clothes, these toolkit, and you go really light, or conditions start to change. You start adding layers, um, and then you know protective layers at the very end. So I think this toolkit mentality of taking what you need for that point, whether you're west, whether you're east, whether you're changing weather conditions in between, a toolkit allows you not just have a you know, four and one, what Chris talked about to handle it all. You just have different pieces to put together to make you effective and comfortable to be in the woods when you need to. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we you know, your, your late season, your late season garments, Aaron, are, are phenomenal. It's like, it's like a treat. It's like Christmas when we get to put them on. <laughs> we don't get to wear them often enough, but we may be layering for a while, but there's, there is no better feeling than to get those late season garments on, you know, <laughs> after the holiday there. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's kind of like cheating, but turning on the heated vest once in a while, it kind of tickles my heart. Yet yeah, I used to be up here in, in cowboy boots and goulashes and a in a in a dark uh, you know bib and and an, in a hoodie. And as as a youth, and it felt like I was getting through it. Now you got all this technology, and I'm still complaining sometimes. <laughs> I don't understand it. Hopefully, we haven't gotten so soft that at some point we're seeing a scentlock shawl. I think we, we could all draw a line yeah. right there. Thank you, Tim. Let me take the chill off. On that note. <laughs> that's how you end a show. That's a showstopper, right. I think. That's right. Been holding on to that line for a while. <laughs> hey, right. Real quick, just, just to everybody here, Matt, for this whole crew, uh, uh, we're blessed to all work together. 
And uh, we have seen the evolution of so many things in our years in the outdoor industry, but to have longstanding relationships and people you enjoy working with, I think that allows you to only innovate more and do more and, and uh, be more flexible. And uh, I can only say thank you to everybody on this call today for we, we so much enjoy working with y'all. Yeah. Likewise. Likewise. Which, um, my saying is, Chris, is business always changes and business relationships always change. But the one key that's held all of us together is the friendships. And if we didn't have that in this industry, which is really what you have left after all the dust settles, it's the friendships and relationships you had. Business will come and go and, and as it does. And that's what's special. And that's what I'd say each you on the phone is thanks for the friendship and the trust. And uh, the business will be what it is, but the, the relationships will last forever. And uh, so appreciate spending time with, with you all today. Did excited. we just become best friends? Yep. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron, well stated we, and the feeling's very mutual and best of luck out there in New Mexico. Send a picture if you get lucky out there. Yeah. Post them up on DeerCast if you kill. All right. Thank you, guys. What, ele what elevation are you going to be at? Uh, a little over 10, so not, not between 8 and 10. You know, it just depends Depends what's happening where they're at. So we pass make, up. Make me suck it up. <laughs> I'll feel like Chris. I'll feel like that picture you you shared before. Okay, take one from me from behind as I'm <laughs> over here yeah. and say it's got to change. It's got to change. So <laughs> yeah. Hey, love elk hunting, but I like that flat land of the Midwest too. <laughs> yeah, we're flying. All right, buddy. All right. All right. Well, that thank you all. Good luck, Aaron. Thank yeah, you, thank guys. You guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate thank you all hopping on. Until next time. Peace yeah. out. DeerCast is now supercharged with maps. Get ahead of your game with killer new features like live Doppler radar, wind checkout to five days, virtual rain gauges, GPS path tracking, and more. Plus, get our 14-day revolutionary DeerCast prediction and access to DeerCast track. Prep, predict, and pursue with DeerCast.